Good morning, everyone. This is the 20th week in this journey. Uh, in the fall, we took 10 weeks and talked about 10 key beliefs that we have as followers of Christ. Since the first of the year, we've talked about 10 ways that we are to act as a result of those beliefs. And then after Easter, we'll talk about 10 aspects of who we are to become as followers of Christ, living out these beliefs. But sharing my faith is the, the concept that you're going to be reading about this week in your belief books, that you're going to be talking about in your Ohana groups, and that I want to share about this morning. But uh, before we do, I want to uh, pose the question. The question is, how do I share my faith with those who don't know God? Good question, right? Let's bring up that title slide if we could. And uh, that first slide, it's also on the cover of your bulletin. And uh, here's the key concept. Let's say it together. I share my faith with others to fulfill God's purposes. So how do I do it? Well, I want to share some ways in which I think we should do it. But before we get there, I think you may pick up some tips from this video. Take a look at this. Well, I'm really not advocating those methods of evangelism. But maybe you have seen people share their faith, or maybe you've been a victim of someone sharing their faith in one of those kind of weird ways, and you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that. Or maybe you struggle with sharing your faith because you hear people say, well, what right do you have to impose your religion on someone else in our politically correct culture? And uh, you've thought, well, I guess I can't talk about Jesus. Or maybe uh, you are just afraid of losing a friendship with someone. Or possibly uh, it just makes you feel uncomfortable to talk to someone about your faith. I bet every one of us can identify with something that holds us back from really crossing that bridge to talk about our faith in Christ. That's very normal and natural. But I really believe this. I believe that if we believe the gospel and if we love people, we will share our faith with people. We'll find a way to do that. I may need to switch the microphones here. Um, I believe this. And I'm going to say this again. That if we believe the gospel and if we love people, we will share our faith with people. Let me just have it all. Turn it on a minute here. Thanks. Let's try this. You know, it was last November in Paris, France, when ISIS terrorists killed 132 people. 89 of the people that were killed were at a concert. Remember that? We saw pictures of it, and I got a few pictures here. I'll show you. Here's the concert goers. I mean, there were thousands of people there. Terrorists burst in. They, they uh, slaughtered 89 people, even shot people in wheelchairs. For days following... Uh, they came to mourn those who had died. Well, when the band was singing, and I've got a picture here of uh, one of the band leaders. In fact, there's some of them. And then you can see in this next picture that the concert goers were singing along with the band. Do you know what song they were singing? It's called Kiss the Devil. Here's the words from that song. Who will love the devil? Who will sing his song? Who will love the devil and his song? I love the devil. 
I'll sing his song. I'll love the devil and his song. Second verse, who will love the devil? Who will kiss his tongue? Who will kiss the devil on his tongue? I'll love the devil. I'll kiss his tongue. I will kiss the devil on his tongue. As these death metal fans, these are the eagles of death metal band, as they were singing the lyrics of their love to the devil, the devil responded as he always does with death and destruction. Usually it's not that immediate, but it is ultimate when people pledge their souls to the devil. Many of those people were undoubtedly unsaved, didn't know Christ. One person pointed out, as they bled to death on that dance floor, they went from singing about the devil to meeting him face to face because the devil's real and so is hell. But many of them thought that the devil and hell were both a joke. And many Christians kind of believe the same thing. Because the gospel says that there's bad news. The gospel says that we are destined for hell and a Christless eternity apart from Christ. But the gospel has good news that says there's a God who loves us so much he's reached out to redeem us and rescue us through the death of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we believe the gospel and when we love people, we're going to find ways to share this good news with them. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he shared a lot about uh, the faith and how they were and we are to share our faith in Christ as well. I just want to pull a couple of verses from his letter in the fourth chapter, verses 5 and 6, where he gives us, I think, some powerful concepts that will help us cross that bridge and share our faith with family members and friends and neighbors. There's a couple of principles I've extracted from it, and they're in your outline in the bulletin. Here's the first. When we believe the gospel and love people, we'll witness with our lives, seeing every contact with unbelievers as a divine opportunity. Every contact, not as a coincidence, but as providence. It's something God has arranged for us uniquely to have the opportunity to speak into that person's life. So wisdom and opportunity are important as we live our lives before unbelievers. You know where the Apostle Paul was when he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae? Some of you know, he was in prison in Rome. And so we might think, well, he had an opportunity before, now he's in prison, but at least those outside had the opportunity yet. That's not how he saw it at all. He thought, this is my opportunity because this is where I am. And there's unbelievers around me. And so he seized the opportunity and with wisdom shared the good news with anybody who would listen. Prisoners, soldiers that were guarding him. In fact, he wrote from that same prison to the church in Philippi. It's our letter to the Philippians. And this is what he said in that letter. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Rather than whining about his circumstances, he said, no, this has actually turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. The whole Praetorian Guard, the palace guard here in Rome has heard the gospel 
as well as my fellow so, uh, uh, sufferers in prison, and people outside in the church, they've been emboldened because I'm sharing for Christ in here. They're strengthened and encouraged to share outside. Sometimes I think we use our circumstances as an excuse not to share the gospel. Well, you don't know the people I work with. I mean, they don't even act Christian, really. Um, you don't know my family members. And actually, God does. He put us in that circumstance by his sovereign will, and we're in the most opportune place to share if we'll use some wisdom as we go about it. Wisdom is trusting the Lord and uh, taking that opportunity. You know, uh, Dave and Rita Zuccolato are in this service, and they're moving to California. I'm sorry to say this week we're going to miss you guys a lot. They've blessed our lives and our church so much. But I've gone golfing several times with Dave, and uh, we were going up to Mililani here a while back. I didn't ask your permission to share this, Dave. I hope it's okay. And um, he's telling me just all the problems about moving like that. I mean, things have gone wrong, and they're trying to arrange a family trip, but the miles haven't worked out, and he had to cancel some days of a trip, and, and uh, their freezer broke down. He's got to replace that in the condo before he goes. He told me all these things, and he said, Nothing but opportunities. And that's Dave. Dave looks at life like that. And you know what? That's the way we need to see our circumstances as it relates to sharing the gospel of Christ. If it's wonderful times, we can share what God's doing in our lives. If it's difficult times, and the people around us know that, what an opportunity to share out of our grief or our difficulty how the Lord is encouraging and strengthening us through that time well taking the opportunity means that we're going to be close to people that don't know Christ Al Mohler who's with the Southern Baptist Church he's a seminary president he said that most of us Christians have a proximity problem you know, proximity means closeness. He's saying we're not very close to outsiders, as Paul calls them here. We've withdrawn from unbelievers. We kind of isolate ourselves in church and Bible studies and Christian activities and kind of just hang out with believers and try to distance ourselves from those that we don't maybe feel uncomfortable or that we feel uncomfortable around. Why in the world, though, would we expect non-Christians to act like Christians when we even don't always act like Christians. I mean, we need to understand that that's our call, that's our mission to be close to people that are different from followers of Christ. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I mean, he was talking to a church that had lots of problems. A lot of their people weren't acting very Christian in that church. And uh, he said, you, you know, the leaders, you need to help these people get back on track. Come on, help them to live for Christ. And then he said this, very instructive, in the fifth chapter. He said, I wrote you in my letters not to associate with immoral people. There was a person they were supposed to actually sit outside the church. He was in such a sinful condition. He said, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. He's saying, look, this guy in the church set him aside for a time because he's not living at all for Christ, but 
Don't stay away from immoral people in the world. That's who you need to be with. Go out there and reach out to them. David Choi spoke at the HIM conference this last weekend. Powerful message. And in that message, he said that the enemies of Jesus gave the most accurate and concise description of his ministry in just one sentence. And that was this. His enemies said, this man welcomes sinners. This man welcomes sinners. He, Jesus didn't tolerate sinners. He didn't uh, just kind of put up with them. He loved them. He actually enjoyed being around them. Uh, one of these golf outings that I went with, Dave, there's, Dave has different people come, uh, some from his work and what have you, to play golf. And, and this one fella, uh, man, he'll hit the ball, and if it's a bad drive, he says words I've never even heard, you know? <laughs> the air turns blue, he may throw his club. I love this guy. And so does Dave. He's, he's a great guy, actually. And, uh, but, again, why would we expect him to act like a believer? He's not yet. But I believe he's on his way because of Dave's outreach to him. He even asked, well, so what church do you, you know, preach at? And I told him. I told him, uh, gave him an Easter invitation. I think he may come. Thanks for your outreach to him, Dave. We've got to get close to people that may not act like we think good Christians ought to. Because they aren't. But Jesus would be there for them. You know, Mahatma Gandhi was the pacifist in India. He, he sparked the revolution that ultimately made India independent from Britain's rule. Because Britain, for a long time, had occupied India. They came in with soldiers, and boy, they won battles, and they conducted a war against the Indian people. They occupied that nation. And it was a pretty harsh rule, I have to say. Uh, they brought in their uh, religion as well, the Christian faith, the Anglican church. They set up churches, and many Indians became Christian. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi did not, but he knew some. In fact, um, one of the Christians that he knew was E. Stanley Jones, a missionary to India for 50 years. Uh, Pastor Harold Gallagher, my predecessor, knew E. Stanley Jones and would talk to him about things like his interactions with Mahatma Gandhi. But Mahatma Gandhi said this. He said, if Christians would consistently live according to the teachings of Christ, all of India would be Christian today. What a sad commentary. They weren't. They hadn't been. And I believe the same is true of America and of the islands today. If Christians here in these islands, if we would live according to the teachings of Christ, really, in relation to unbelievers, all of Hawaii would become Christian. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. They need to see our lives of love and acceptance so that we earn the right to share our faith with them. I'll give you an example. I've mentioned it before about Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, who recently came to Christ a few years ago. She was the women's studies teacher at Syracuse University. She was also an outspoken lesbian activist. She had nothing but disdain for Christians and the Christian faith. 
And she wrote about it in a local newspaper there. And she got lots of letters from Christians, hate mail, condemning her. But one of those letters was different. It was from a Presbyterian pastor. And he spoke to her in that letter about some of the things that she said and asked her some questions. And then he said he and his wife would like to take her to lunch. She thought, I'll do it. Because she was doing research on a book and she thought this would be uh, for a book she was going to write. And she thought this would help her to write the book. So she met that pastor and his wife for lunch. And she was really surprised about their acceptance of her and attitude toward her and just the intelligent conversation they were able to have. So she accepted an invitation to a subsequent lunch and another, and they became friends. And after about a year, uh, she just felt prompted to go to church one morning. And so she slipped into the back of the church, sat in the back row, and listened, and then continued to do so. And through a difficult time, uh, decided she needed to open her heart to Jesus Christ. She became a Christian. She was, of course, released from her position at the university. And today, she is a pastor's wife in North Carolina. But that happened not because somebody preached the gospel at her, just straight out. It's because somebody loved her. Somebody cared about her. Somebody came alongside of her. And that's God's primary method of evangelism, always has been, relationships. And so what we need to do is realize the way we live our lives around unbelievers, not critically, not judgmentally, not self-righteously, is what will give us the opportunity to speak into their lives. And it is necessary at some point to speak into people's lives about the good news, because if we just live our lives before unbelievers and hope they'll see Jesus, that just puts too much emphasis on us, what a good person we are. But we know, know the goodness is in Christ. And so eventually we got to cross that bridge and share something with them. And that's the second principle in this message. When we believe the gospel and love people, we'll witness not with our lives only, but with our words as well, salting our every conversation with grace. Paul followed verse 5 with this comment. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So when we do talk to unbelievers, to outsiders, as Paul calls them, we need to make sure that our words are gracious, filled with grace. Again, not coming from above, coming alongside as those who've been saved by grace and who are sustained by the grace of Christ. Speech needs to be with grace, but seasoned with salt. What does that mean? What do, you, what do you do when you put salt on food? Why do you do that? Makes it taste better, right? Flavors it. It brings out the flavors. I mean, I, I'm famous for that. I, I like to salt everything, and Deal say, whoa, that's already salty. And I said, I know, I like it that way. <laughs> so she's trying to help me out there. But little salt is good, right? So it is in our conversations with outsiders, unbelievers. We need to, well, if we only talk about the weather, and if we only talk about sports, that's a little bland, actually, after a while. If it's going to be seasoned, we need to bring in some things of eternal value, things that really are going to make a difference for that person forever. And so we'll find a way to uh, 
express kindness into that person's life or blessing or maybe uh, ask if they would like prayer for the need that they have expressed that's happening in their life, uh, to share a testimony, just a brief word of what Christ has meant to us in that circumstance or what's happening in our lives. We can do that, but we need to do it with wisdom, not too much all at once. Don't take the lid off the salt shaker and go like that. No, that wouldn't help but appropriately as God gives us the opportunity. And then he says, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. You don't share the same thing with every person you encounter in the same way and at the same time. Paul didn't. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he was Jewish. Boy, he was a rabbi. He, he knew everything about Scripture. He'd studied it from a child. And he was so just articulate in that and he could speak to Jews and he did wherever he went on his missionary journeys he would go into the synagogue and he would relate to them on that kind of a level but when he spoke to Gentiles he spoke in a different way and then individually to them as he had opportunities you look through the book of Acts well Jesus did the same thing didn't he it's an interesting thing to do. I did some of it this week, just looking through the Gospels at some of the people that Jesus encountered and how he responded differently to each one of them according to their need. When he met the leper, what did he do? He walked over and he touched that man. They were the untouchables. You didn't touch a leper. But when he touched him, that spoke volumes to that man who had been ostracized from his society. When he encountered the woman at the well, he asked her to go get her husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, that's right. You, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't your husband. Wow. That was putting a finger on her point of need for intimacy and, and love, and she wasn't finding it. She was looking in all the wrong places. When, when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler, what did he say? Sell it all come and follow me because Jesus knew that was that wealth was that man's God and there's no way that he would follow Jesus without surrendering his God but what if Jesus had just kind of said well I know I need a witness here and so I got to share the gospel and so he sees the leper who's calling out from a distance Jesus help us he says go sell it all and follow me the guy doesn't have anything right or what if he had said to the woman at the well, he wouldn't get very close to her either. She was a Samaritan. Go sell it all and come follow me. <laughs> really. How about the children that were brought to Jesus? Hey, kids, go sell it all. No, that is not going to work, right? Jesus responded differently with wisdom, making the most of the opportunity. He's the son of God, right? But we're children of God too, ambassadors for Christ. And we need to use wisdom and take the opportunities that God gives us to share these messages of good news. Now, I have to confess, when it comes to witnessing, I, I love to witness to people, but I have blown it so many times, I can't tell you. Sometimes I've just not thought about it. And I've walked away from a con conversation I've had with someone and thought, oh, boy, that was an opportunity, and I didn't even think about sharing Christ with that person. Or sometimes I have, but boy, it's been the wrong words that I have given in that circumstance or whatever. And so I could tell you about my failures. There's been plenty of them. But you know what? 
we're called to do it and we learn through that and we grow through that and, and God uses even our failures, I believe, to help us in, in all areas, including this area. Recently, I was down at a body shop in Mapuna Puna because I had to take our car down there because, it, well, it was a hit and run post. And uh, <laughs> got me in the back end and I didn't even get a license, you know. But uh, I'm down there and Jan is, is assessing the damage and writing it all up. And we finished with that. And then she pointed to my wrist and she said, well, there's got to be a story behind that bracelet. I said, actually, there is, you know. Some of you know this is a gospel bracelet. We give these to orphans when we go on mission trips and what have you and share the gospel. So I took the opportunity to share the gospel with her. And then I pulled out my wallet and I carry a tract around my wallet. And I gave her a steps to peace with God. I said, hey. Janet, uh, why don't you read this over? And when I come back to pick up my car, then we can talk about it. She said, okay. I don't go to church, but, boy, the people that live next to me, they go to church every Saturday night. You should see how they live. I said, no, no, Janet, it isn't about going to church. It's about God's love for you and about Jesus, how much he has given for you. And she kind of looked at me. I said, we'll talk about it. She said, Okay. Well, I pray that we'll have that opportunity. There are so many ways that we can cross the bridge, even though we may feel uncomfortable. It takes a little faith to step across there, but that's what we're called to be as people of faith. One of the things that I've found helpful in a relationship, whether it's with a stranger I've just met on an airplane flight or somebody I've known for a while, I'll just say, Hey, uh, where are you at in your spiritual pilgrimage? That assumes that they're on a journey. And, you know, they, they aren't offended by that. And they'll begin to talk about where they're at in their relationship or belief or unbelief in God. Sometimes I'll just ask a person, so do you go to church? Why or why not? And let them talk. And it's really interesting what they'll have to say. And that'll open up opportunities to point them to Christ not to church. And sometimes after a Christian function, like we had that Freud's last session, I had a couple friends come to that. And you can just say, so what would you think of that? And let them talk. And you may think, wow, that was interesting. But uh, people will respond to those kinds of questions, knowing that we care about them and it, that we don't view them as a project, but as a friend, someone that we do indeed care about. I mentioned earlier that we can just offer to pray for people. I belong to the Kaimuki Business and Professional Association, and I've gotten to know a lot of business leaders and people in our community. Uh, a couple, well, it was about three weeks ago, I was in a business on Wiley Avenue and uh, talking to the owner, a lot of people in there that day, and he said, can we just step outside and talk? I said, yeah. So we go out on the sidewalk, and he begins to tell me about a visit to the dentist and uh, talk about his tooth was loose. And I'm sitting there wonder, standing there thinking, I wonder where this is going. And, uh, but then he tells me, he said, so the doctor said, or the dentist said, there's something wrong with that tooth. And underneath it, he said, you better get that checked out. And he said, I did, and it's cancerous. And the cancerous spread to my lymph nodes. But they think it's operable, and he said, I'm going to have a surgery coming up such and such a date. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I pray for you? And he said, I really wish you would. 
And so I just laid my hand on his shoulder and prayed for him right there beside Wiley Avenue. Normally, I wouldn't do that in public to embarrass a person, but, I mean, you'd be amazed how open people are when they have needs for, even if they're not believers, for believers to pray for them. It's a great opportunity. In fact, as I've thought about this this week, I've thought there are two people, two kinds of people that have a distinct advantage when it comes to witnessing. I mean, some people have the gift of evangelism. Okay, that's great. They just lead people to Christ left and right. But I mean, even aside from that, there are two kinds of people that have a distinct advantage when it comes to witnessing. One of them would be extroverts. How many of you are extroverts here this morning? Yeah, we had four. We had three in the other service. (laughs) Probably half you guys are, okay? Extroverts, why? Because... You can talk to people. You, you, you have no problem just striking up, a con- striking up a conversation, talking to them. Extroverts are like that. And so that, that's a real advantage that extroverts have. You know who the other people are? The introverts. That's right. <laughs> right, Jorma? Uh, introverts. And I'll tell you why. Because introverts actually listen to people. And that is such a key to building a relationship. And introverts are also good at building deep relationships. And people need to be heard before we have the opportunity sometimes to effectively share the gospel with them. We just have to be careful, though. Sometimes we build those relationships, and then we're afraid of injuring it or damaging the relationship so we don't tell them about Jesus. What? Come on. If we really care about them, if we really love them, we're going to share our faith with them in one way or another. We, we had at the 930 service... And we're going to have, after this service, a financial planning ministry seminar. I heard good reports come out of it. In in that, people are helped to determine, well, what they're going to pass on to their children, among other things, or grandchildren, or someone who's cared for them. It's a living trust kind of a thing. And maybe some of you think, well, I don't really have that much to pass on. Let me tell you, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're a child of God, you have infinite wealth. There's no greater spiritual inheritance or any kind of inheritance that you could pass on than that. And so as we share our faith with our children or grandchildren or co-workers or neighbors or even strangers as God gives us opportunity, we are passing on a great and amazing inheritance. C.S. Lewis said, the only thing Christianity can't cannot be as moderately important. In other words, if the gospel is true, then people that don't know Christ are going to perish. But if it's true, they can be saved. This isn't moderately important. This is absolutely important for every person and they need to hear it. I believe, as I said at the beginning, We'll share our faith when we believe the gospel and love people. And so I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to challenge you and myself to do three things this week. Number one, pray for wisdom as it relates to outsiders. And think of the outsiders in your life that you work with, in your family or whatever. Number one, pray for wisdom. James tells us God loves to give us wisdom as we ask for it. Number two, look for opportunities to share your faith, whatever it might be. And we're not called to close the deal every time we share our faith. 
Oh no, it may be just a word of kindness. It may be uh, just a short word of testimony. It might be offering to pray. But look for an opportunity to speak into that person's life. And then third, let's share our faith. However we do that, in that moment, trusting that it's not our job to convert anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. We're simply called to share our faith, to be witnesses, and leave the results to God. Let's come back to that declaration of of our key concept this week, and I hope that we can, by faith, state this together. Go. I share my faith with others to fulfill God's purposes. Lord, help us to see fulfillment of this prayer through our lives this week by the power of your Holy Spirit. It isn't up to our intelligence or wisdom. We need your wisdom and we need your sensitivity to speak with grace to those around us, to come alongside of them, to love them, and see that opportunity before us. Help us, we pray in your name. Amen.